Points. This is a podcast about people who love tabletop games, interviewing other people who love tabletop games about tabletop games they love. I'm Becca Scotch. I'm here as always with my sassy co-host, Jake Michaels. Sassy? Yeah, I put that in there. I'm more laid back than a tranquilized sloth on a hot summer day. Oh my God. Did you write that ahead of time? No, I'm just being sassy. Oh my God. So sassy. No, I brainstormed it in the lobby. (laughs) I was like, what's a good adjective for a sloth? Is it tranquilized? Yeah, then double it up. Absolutely. Well done. This week, our guest is Kellen Allen Laker of the podcast Born Game Barrage, hosted along with Neilan Naker and Mark Basada. BGB is super hilarious and it's wonderful. And you guys get so in depth. You talk about so many games, whereas we like to totally meander here. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I highly recommend checking out Board Game Barrage. Kellen, welcome. Thank you. I'm not going to lie. This podcast is so upbeat and uh, fast and quick. I had to do like four shots of espresso before what? I came here. Oh my God. To try to see if I could, you know, amp it up with you guys. <laughs> I'm not sure I can, but I'm going to try. Yeah. Do you have to pee right now? Um, No, but maybe at the commercial break. Do, do, you, do you need to have a quick heart attack? You, well, that's pretty normal, four shots, but I just, I, I've turned your podcast from my 1.5x speed to one so that I can understand what's going on. Really? Well, because you're just like, that intro is like... The one time I listened back to my own podcast, I'm sorry, now you guys all know the truth, I don't do it. Ah, Shame. I realized I talk way too fast. It's very fast. It's because I like to listen to everything on two times speed. Yep. So I also like to live at that speed. And thank you for turning down your speed on me. I appreciate that. <laughs> I didn't know you talked too fast. I do talk way too on, fast. I'm on variable You're always speed. telling me to slow down. Yeah, well, I'm on. Oh, yeah, that's true at work. Yeah, but I'm I, on variable though. Is where you can like it, it eases depending on uh, what's happening in the show. What is your podcast provider? Uh, well, shout out to Overcast. Love it, Overcast. Yeah. Though in comedy, uh, shout podcasts. out to Podbean because they sponsored oh. this show. Oh yeah, them as well. Thanks. Also, to Podbean. Podbean. We love you, Podbean. And Smirnoff. <laughs> we are drinking Smirnoff right now. If you're watching this on my personal YouTube channel, there I told people, uh, we are drinking a lot of Smirnoff. Uh, but uh, you take were a saying, shot, Kellen. <laughs> you were saying about po- uh, comedy podcasts? Comedy podcasts, when you do the variable speed setting, you're killing some of the pauses, which are very dramatic. And some of those moments... Very true. I, I'm I'm worried about that. I'm worried about people doing that to our podcast, yes. which is probably silly. I'm I'm considering what, whenever we do music, if which we don't really do much in here, but mm-hmm. like anytime I'm doing that for audio, I'm always like, oh no, what will this do when people do that? Because I listen to them on Smart Speed as well. Yeah. Well, I don't think we should have ever gotten into this because now the people that didn't even think about turning up the speed on us are going to do it now. But now they know the problem. And those were those were the 1x listeners and now they're they're all living in hyperspeed as well. We need a reaction video of you just listening to yourself at various speeds. <laughs> Cuz I think I think you're going to love it. Oh my goodness. Uh well that sounds terrifying. That is the definition of how people will speak in the future and it's too much. Anyway, Kellen, tell us about Board Game Barrage for people who don't know. Uh, are you guys insanely positive? <laughs> Insanely positive. No, I would not use that phrase. Uh, Board Game Barrage is a podcast that we started uh, last year. Um, Neil and Mark and I are in the same game group. Uh, I kind of have bounced around the country, and depending on where I live, 
I feel like board games are such a great social tool to meet people and interact with people. So I lived in uh, Manhattan for a while, and I went to a board game night at a bar every Monday. Met my best friends there, you know, who I still go out and visit. Um, so I moved to LA for work uh, and joined a game group almost immediately. Uh, met Mark and Neilan. Um, it was kind of a, a case where we quickly decided to try to play games on our own outside of that game group. <laughs> Ouch. Um, Sick yes. burn to that game group. Game groups are hard, man. The social dynamics of having 15 people and yeah. how, what game do you play and you don't want to play, you know, Resistance Avalon every night. Dude, you want to so play. sick yeah. of the same multiplayer games, although Decrypto I could play forever. When oh, you it's find, amazing. When you find that group, though, that you, of within that subset that you like, that you all get along and like the same stuff, you should splinter off into your own thing, for sure. And never talk to those other people again. <laughs> no, we, we still go to that game group and, and love it when we're doing bigger things, but Something new, something exciting comes out that's four player only. Yeah. It's Neilan, Mark, me, and my girlfriend. And it's that's the best yeah. gaming that I do. Do they have significant others? How uh, they come did, your they, girlfriend gets to play? They did in the past, and now uh, one of them does. Mark has a girlfriend now. so But uh, Chris, she's not as good of a gamer, <laughs> so she gets cut. <laughs> Christina, uh, my girlfriend, wins constantly. Um, and we just keep telling her it's because we like to fight each other, and mm. she sits in the corner. But I, I that's fear. That's a strategy, though. That's Jake's strategy in Twilight Imperiums. <laughs> that's not fun, Jake. That's Be not fun. my strategy. That's what it looks like. <laughs> you know, the thing about significant others in gaming is like there's everybody's kind of at their like a different level than their significant other. For the most part, some couples are at the same level, but everybody's a little staggered. So it's always interesting about when they come into game nights because game nights are generally such a long time commitment. So, and being in a couple is also a time commitment. It so is. it kind of depends. Like some, some couples, they trickle in during the easier games mm. and some are always in during the more in-depth ones like yours. Wow. Uh, sounds like a slide on Katie, who is an intense gamer. <laughs> Yeah, that's all Jake's this was. Wife. It was a big buildup to slamming. <laughs> yeah, don't that talk was a about long slamming preamble. your wife in my presence. <laughs> I don't want to hear about that, Jake. Oh God, no, um, I do actually. <laughs> it's I'm not like going on. diplomacy, right? Have you guys either of you played diplomacy? The I, friendship killer once, and yeah, it's brutal. Oh, I, I've researched it. I haven't actually played it. It's because... so good. It's so good, and it's a game. They call it the friendship killer. It's been around for forty years. Uh, Christina, we're trying to organize a, a play this summer where we film some of it, kind of do survivor <laughs> style where we do a little bit of like commentary on the side. Yeah. And, a little confessional. Yes, exactly. And Christina is currently saying she, she won't play it because she gets so upset when I lie to her. Yeah, I get that. Um, in like Resistance yeah. or Secret Hitler or Blood on the Clock Tower. See, what's nice about those, like, uh, Resistance and Avalon is, like, it feels like this is really locked into this moment. Yeah. Whereas, like, the the games like Diplomacy or Twilight, where are eight hours of lying to each other, it feels like it does a little more permanent damage. Mm. You you need to try it. I, I've I think... talked about my continued grudge with my husband about a game of Resistance that happened three years ago. <laughs> the Resistance. And I still won't let it go. I just won't. Because I promised, anyway, I've already discussed it in this podcast. <laughs> Let's talk about more about, I want to talk about, um, so you launched Board Game Barrage last year. You guys are, what, 50 episodes in? We are on episode, we recorded episode 68, I Ooh. believe, on uh, Sunday night. Congrats. That's One more a week. than the 52 yes. weeks in a year. So we did, at Gen Con, we did a nightly podcast, and this was amazing. We called it uh, Between the Sheets. <laughs> we were in a hotel room that was so large 
that we thought maybe putting the sheet over the bed, you know, so the microphone in the middle would help the sound. It did not, (laughs) Um, but it led to some hilarious conversations. So we did nightly Gen Con episodes. That's fun. Amazing. Just to keep people updated on what was happening. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, we've done it every week, which is pretty insane. That's great. That's really intense. Um, What were the challenges in getting the podcast going? Was there somebody that had expertise in audio or were you all just trial and erroring your way into the first couple of episodes? We're all pretty nerdy tech bros, so I think that helps. You know, I, I've goofed around in Photoshop and web design, so I, I made our website. Not that it's beautiful, but it it's, is beautiful. I really enjoy your website. It's very colorful. Yeah. Um, I just saturate the shit out of everything, um, which which seems to work on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. So there, yeah, th- we should mention you guys have hella Instagram followers. That it, you've got quite the following there. That's actually where we started. Um, so I started Board Game Barrage as an Instagram account a year prior to the podcast. Oh. Um, uh, mostly, I thought I could maybe get free games from publishers, but also up to the photography game. I had fun, kind of just goofing around with it. Oh, very cool. Uh, so, so any challenges, or because you are such tech bros, mm-hmm. as you put it, <laughs> it, that part came easy. No, I mean, I think we're still discovering things. We just changed up uh, our how we do the audio leveling. You know, it, it, we're learning as we go. We're falling backwards. I think we're very, very strict about our format, um, which is under an hour every week. Uh, and we also edit a lot of the podcast. So the podcast is heavily edited to when we say something not funny, we take it out. Uh, uh, Mark does all We the- don't understand that. Everything we say Yeah, we, we leave say, in everything not hilarious. funny. Oh. Mm. Mm. This is awkward. Let's keep this in. Is this <laughs> <Good> thing? <idea. laughs> um, no, but Mark edits the podcast, um, which is a little scary for me because he definitely edits out all my good jokes. Uh, <laughs> he just does no comedy, I guess. No, he's he's good, uh, and and I'm very grateful that he edits it because I wouldn't have time to do it. To how how often do you rec- or how long do you record for that you edit it down to an hour? Um, I would say it's probably an hour 15 or okay. an hour 20. Um, we, we start- so Mark just cuts out your jokes <laughs> to cut those 20 minutes. That's right. Uh, no. It, Thanks, it, Mark. Yeah. Jeez, Mark. Please. And it's like I've been with these dudes now every week for a year. It's a very it's a commitment. I think that's honestly the biggest thing is figuring out our schedules. We're all adults. You know, we're we have jobs. We're running around. OK, it's Christmas break. How are we going to do this? You know, like give how- up your family for the podcast. That's right for for the love of board games. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's your advice to someone starting a new project? What's that step one if they're feeling the paralysis of I don't even know where to start? Because you started with the Instagram account. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I'm of two minds, right? Just start is always the advice. Just get something out there, um, see how it's well, uh, see how it's received. I think. I think we always went in with the mentality of professional first. You know, we wanted we wanted to make it seem like it was more professional than it was, perhaps. Sure. Um, so we did a lot of the back end stuff before we started. We had a website. We tried to make it look official. You know, we had maybe thirty five plays of the first episode in in the first week. Um, but it, it, it's it's just about confidence, about putting yourself out there, and you will find an audience, right? I think there's like minded people who who think like you do. Um, and one of the things I like about Board Game Barrage is that we all come at it from such a different perspective. You know, Neelan uh, loves solo games, loves more multiplayer solitaire, less player interaction. And 
I just riff on him constantly because I don't even understand it at all. <laughs> um, and so those different voices kind of help round out something. So if you like a thing, there are other people that like that. There's yeah. no way you're the only one who likes that thing. Especially if you're passionate about that thing because there's other people that are also passionate about that, especially in the board game world, for sure. Yeah, I like to not say, this is a bad game. I like to say, this is a game that's for someone else. <laughs> <laughs> I like to say that games are bad, but... <laughs> Those exist too. I also get called an edgelord on the internet. Ah, This is a game for someone else, a bad person. Well, I think this is the perfect segue to start talking about some of your favorite types of games, which are the more socially interactive games because you like to make your friends suffer and have them make you suffer in return. Is that an appropriate assessment? Totally. I think think board games are, are a social construct, right, for how to interact with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, like I, I grew up and felt I had friends, I had a good group of friends, but I always just felt a little peripheral to all those people who knew what to do in high school, who to talk to and how to hang out. Uh, and board games give you a common core, a set of rules that you must abide by. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my favorite games are things like Cosmic Encounter, uh, which is just all about that interaction between people. The game itself is sort of secondary. It's, it's a game where everyone has a unique alien power. Uh, I don't have you guys played it. I actually haven't. I've oh done, my god! I've done my my research. You uh, need to. You must. Yeah, it it moved very quickly to the top of my list because so this originally came out in 1977 by Eon Games. Then 2008 Avalon Hill did an unpopular version of it. I think there was some more in between there, and uh, and then the good one that everyone talks about now and is on everyone's list is the 2010 Fantasy Flight version. That's correct. And uh, that's a lot of history that you have there. <laughs> like before we were alive, right, Becca? Very much so. Because I was born in 2008. You were. You Two, are 2008. 11. You don't have to dwell on my age, You're which is 11. Right 11. Now. <laughs> what? Uh, so, so Sponsored let's, by Smirnoff. I like to describe a game. In, you have a board game podcast. Uh, do you want to describe the gameplay a little and then we'll get into more about why you love it? Absolutely. Cosmic Encounter is a game where everyone gets a unique power that breaks the game. Um, there are, you're trying to score five points. Uh, everyone has their ships and they're that unique alien power that no one else has. Um, in the base game, I think there's well over 40 aliens, but there's expansions. So there's over a hundred different powers you can have. And yet only five can play at once. Yes. And these, these powers are like as crazy as, you know, you can force someone else to play a specific card. You win a battle if you actually lose the battle. And so all of this ridiculous, you know, you're the whiner. You can whine and force people to give you cards. Um, and so you lean into that, right? And and the game is really simple. What you're doing is a hand management. You're, you're attacking each other, trying to get your ships on their planets. But then everyone can ally with either side. So it'd be like, Jake, like, please, you know, you need to go on the offensive with me. You're going to score a point. And then, you know, we're attacking you, Becca, and you're trying to rally the Mm-mm. troops to be on Jake, the defense. I'll be so mad at you for weeks. Oh, weeks. I really like this game already. Yeah. This is great. It looks like um, a, a, a pared down, simpler, quicker version of Twilight Imperium to me. <laughs> Has that feel to it? Absolutely. I think that that's, it distills some of the stuff in Twilight Imperium, uh, the social, more diplomatic parts of it uh, into a game. It's actually from the designers who made the uh, Dune board game, which is another oh, yeah. fascinating, amazing game that we recently played. Yeah, I haven't gotten to that either, but I've heard great things about that. It's so good. Yeah. This is not the print and play. This is this is a new one. Well, so the new one comes out, I believe, next year. Gale Force 9 is reprinting it. 
But you got that exclusive sneak peek. No, no, no. I spent $200 on a print and play <laughs> of, of the original game from the 70s uh, because I, I'm a huge fan of the Dune universe, yeah. love the books. We did Dune Book Club um, on the podcast and then played the game together. That's Very great. Cool. It was awesome. Oh, I love that. One time I, uh, I've i never read Dune or seen any of the really? films, but I started reading it aloud in story time on my Twitch channel uh, a long time ago. And um, that's as far as I ever got in Dune. It How- was 50 pages. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. The first one's really good, but every, I would, every single time I tell people that I've read the first one, they're like, but you haven't read the rest? <laughs> so the fourth one is my favorite. Okay, there it but is. It, but it's deeply philosophical and very weird. Um, and for, yeah, he gets a little more like that in the later books. Doesn't it's he? super weird. Yeah. But the, the first book there is a, on audible an audio drama version of it with a full cast. Ooh. Oh, um, that's this quite changes fun. things. I'm a big fan of audible. When's the new movie come out or is it a TV series? November, 2020. Is it and a series? David Lynch. Or no, just kidding. No, <laughs> I actually can't say the guy's name. He's so amazing. All of his movies. Uh, what is the guy who made Arrival, Blade Runner 2049. Denise, oh. I, I don't even want to try to say his oh, name. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not going to embarrass myself. Were, is it a movie or a show? It's a movie. Yeah. Denis Villeneuve. I think French that's Canadian. It. It's French-Canadian director and writer. It's going to be amazing. The cast is off the charts amazing. It's it's very exciting. Yeah. I have it in my uh, bullet journal already for the thing I'm looking forward to in November 2020. What's a that's bullet not, journal? What's a bullet journal? <laughs> You should know, I guess. Um, a bullet journal is a <laughs> like a minimalist type of way to keep track of like goals and daily objectives. Um, but there's like shorthand. A lot of people do them online, or you can get like a moleskin notebook and and kind of plan out your life. Do you have a I digital? I have a gratitude or? journal. Is it similar? Yeah, I think that's a similar concept. Mm. Yes, it's a bullet journal. I think is a little more productivity focused, but what I'm talking about is a little more on the gratitude side. Oh. It's like, you know, I had Detective Pikachu for this month. It's like things that are upcoming, Gen Con, big board game Things to be excited about. That's right. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Detective Pikachu, shout out to another podcast. Everybody download and listen to Fantasy Flicks League because uh, I guested and talked about Detective P- Pikachu <laughs> this past week. Anyway, totally unrelated to board games or calendar, anything. Uh, Good, but plug. Good plug, though. Why do you love Cosmic Encounter? Um. I love Cosmic Encounter and games like it um, because you get to know your friends in a way that you otherwise would not. Ooh. Uh, you are uh, like how manipulative they are, <laughs> which they all are. I think it's I think it's almost more intimate than that, right? In like the best game nights, the best game nights are some of the memories that you have probably forever. Um, and and you know the idea of like, hey, let's all go to the bar. I just, I've never understood it, but like the idea of like, let's go to someone's house, let's play a game together, that framework of, of friendship, um, I think Cosmic Encounter delivers that. And and a lot of modern board game designs are moving a little bit away from that, let's say. You know, you've got roll and rights, which are like, lack all player interaction. Absolutely, yeah, that's my main beef with them. Um, you've got Euro games, which are very much like spreadsheets, where it's more efficiency <laughs> engines for, you know, like, uh, engineers and nerd-like people, yep. and those are awesome for what they are, but for me, those are the preparation for the game where you get to punch someone in the face and then see what they do. <laughs> <laughs> so well said, I love all of that. All right, we're gonna take a quick break 
for a word from our sponsors. And then we'll be back. We're going to talk more about favorite area control games and games with social interaction and then what it's like to come out as a nerd. Welcome back to Victory Points. We're here with Kellen Laker of Board Game Barrage and, of course, Jake Michaels. Still sassy. Still sassy. And I'm Becca Scott. All right. Jumping back into where we were with um, you really put the most beautiful bow on it. But Jake really wants to talk about innovation. I want to talk so about So we got to talk about innovation. Now, this is – explain the game. Well, it's a game that – well, uh, hmm. first off, it's one of the first kind of games that I got into in terms of like the more in-depth stuff. Like it was this and Dominion were the ones that kind of broke me into board games. Ooh. You got broken in. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> uh, but uh, innovation is where uh, there's a – 10 ages going all the way from is it like dark ages all the way to like prehistory information age or something i think prehistory prehistoric i'm actually not sure something similar to one to ten yeah one to ten and uh each of those uh eras has a technological innovation of some kind associated with it on cards in each of which have resources and abilities on them throughout the game you um play these innovations in front of you in front of a tableau and they share five different colors as well and as you go out throughout the game you're trying to dominate certain ages and certain technologies i guess there's it's hard to be broad about what those are because technology is a certain thing in that whereas like it's hard to say what they are besides just innovations is that yeah right? that's that's right i think <laughs> i think what's so hilarious is you know you might have archery or monotheism you know, and then you might beat down the combustion engine, you know, so the cards from earlier ages can come back and help your yeah. civilization way later in the game. Yeah, I do like that theme of like you can have ancient stuff right next to somewhat modern stuff like one of my cultures. We have wheels <laughs> next to solar powered engines. Exactly. And that's like your highlights. How does Tesla work? <laughs> <laughs> the game, though. I'm uh, So the game, what, what's the social interaction part of it that you love so much? So. That's a great question. Uh, a cosmic encounter. So we just did our top fifty board games of all time, mm-hmm. which is uh, crazy. That's so ambitious. How do you rank that many games? It took forever, and we <gasps> and we filmed it. We put it on YouTube. We actually don't do much on YouTube, but it's doing pretty well uh, yeah. for us there. Um, innovation dethroned cosmic encounter. Whoa, um, which is hard to say. Cosmic really? encounter was a a college favorite. Um, and I'm still looking for the best group. Mark and Neelan are a little more sour on it than they should be because they don't know what they're talking about. They're sour mm-hmm. on innovation? They're sour on Cosmic Encounter. Okay, okay got it. Um, so innovation has this chaos, right? So yeah. a lot of games are about careful planning, engine building, you know, and, and starting from turn one, you've planned out turn 15. And that's not how my brain works. I'm very uh, more tactical, more what can I do right now that's interesting mm-hmm. or fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and innovation is this chaos that you are trying to control. Mm-hmm. And there are people who don't like the game because they say, oh, it's too random. But yeah. but really, they just haven't figured out how to wrangle some control on that chaos that is that system. Yeah. Um, each game is so different and unique in how it plays out. Um, you are right. It is not the most social. I, I do think you're very directly confrontational with each other and it's very mean. Um, but I, d- I don't think there's a lot of social interaction in terms of I prefer it a two player, to be honest. Uh, it's the game I play most with my girlfriend at home. Yeah, I yeah, we uh, Katie and I played it a fair amount for a while. We just started playing with some four players. But I was I was about to say that randomness is kind of the issue for it with me. But you make a good case of like it, it is about kind of 
wrangling some of that chaos. I like the way you phrase that. Um, you're you're generally, for those of you who've never played before, you're kind of at the whim of the cards you draw and the abilities you have because you don't have a lot of mechanisms to get other cards. So pretty much what you draw, you need to either try and play or save as an ability to activate something else. So you are kind of at the whim of what you draw, but as you say, you have to kind of look at the board and see what's possible with what you've been given. It's like being on a spaceship, and I've used this analogy on my podcast, where you have this button that's that gets you some points, but it also breaks part of your ship. Yeah. And, and each, yeah. each turn you're kind of going, bam, bam, you know, you're shooting up and all of your friends are getting mad at you. And then it's just, is your spaceship going to blow up before you cross the finish line? Sure. And usually it blows up. Usually something crazy happens. <laughs> and it, well, uh, so I briefly looked at an overview. And so the cards in your hand are one of five colors. And if you play down a purple, then if you have an, another purple from a future age in your hand, you have to cover up the other purple card that you had in order to play it. Is that right? So that's the breaking part? That's it's it's where it'll say discard two cards from your tableau in order to score five points and you have to decide whether that's worth it. But your possible actions are those five actions that you have in front of you or play a new card. And so at any point, it's do I play another one? Do I cover something up that's pretty good? Or do I look at what I have and try to make something work? The most brilliant design mechanic of it is the splay, which is um, throughout the ages, you can either splay left, right, or up. And it reveals either one, two, or three additional resources from previous cards. Yeah, that's a really cool mechanic. It's a really great design idea. Um, but anyway, so that's when the stacking actually comes important. Yeah, that I, it looks very interesting in that regard because splaying is all new and I love a brand new mechanic. But what I was going to ask you guys is what drew you to this game initially? Did someone have it and you played it? Because the original art and the art has seemed to get better, but the original art was a little bit lame and very like uh, manila envelope colored cards on yeah. everything. See, the secret is if you just saturate it on Instagram, ah. <laughs> it still looks good. Um, I'm not sure what drew me to innovation. I, I, I'm not sure. Carl Chudiak is the designer, also designed a game called Glory to Rome. Uh, which has a, a famous history in board gaming. Um, the Black Box uh, was this this Glory to Rome game that you can't get now. It goes for way high prices on the secondary market. So I had Glory to Rome as well. Carl Chudiak. No, no yeah, big don't, deal, humble brag. Don't don't rob me, please. Um, <laughs> I, I think I think Chudiak is so good at the chaos and uh, what comes from that. But yes, it is pretty ugly. I apologize in advance. I love the idea of a burglar breaking into your house and only taking the black box glory to Rome. And that's it. They leave everything else intact. Maybe I should hide it. Mm. Or put it inside <laughs> of a locked black safe. I will say that the second edition. <laughs> no, you don't like it. You just deeply inhaled when I said that. I, I I was I don't have a safe, so I was contemplating buying one. I've thought about it before. <laughs> Got it. It was deep in thought. You were legitimately considering this, not thinking my joke was lame. No, no, no. It's a good joke. I, I, Would Mark cut it? M Mark might cut it, <laughs> or use a different version. God damn you, Mark! We could try it again and then kind of just go back. By the way, Mark, you're editing this episode. Oh, he he probably would if we wanted him to. Is that possible? I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's Annalise. Annalise in the booth. She's the best. All right. Uh, I will say that for what drew me to innovation was actually the art. Really? Sincerely, from the the second edition, the, the one that has the art. The, uh, the, the yellow, yellow, version. Version. The yellow, yellow version. Is the game, are the mechanics different in that game? Are the rules different? 
No, they are not. Um, the there are no more updates to that one. There's Unfor- been a th- yeah. the third edition of the Esmati version, mm-hmm. um, which is the one I would recommend to people, even though it's a little bit less pretty. Yes, why? Uh, there's been some balance changes. Oh. I, I also think it's a little more functional in terms of what you have to do is constantly evaluate how many icons of all the types that someone has. It's mm-hmm. a little harder to see in the yellow version. Yeah. Um, in my opinion. Yes, the el- the yellow version has um really great art on the back of the cards too, which show the era that they're in. And so actually it was the art that really kind of got me interested. And then I was so disappointed to see like the first and second edition. I was like, oh no, this isn't the same. What what happened here? <laughs> Why would you go downhill on this? Guys, yeah. I forgot to say something about the art of Cosmic Encounter that I thought was so cool. And I'm just gonna jump back. I'm all over the place. Do it. Uh, the character cards for Cosmic Encounter have an upside down just like five word summary uh, or less of what the other player's power do. So you can see at a glance, oh right, your power is this because that's what's often hard in that type of game when everyone has complicated personal abilities. And uh, being able to see, oh right, you have that thing. You are going to win if you get less points. So I need to remember that when we battle. Yeah, that's great. It also helps when you're picking because a lot of the ways that you can play is draw three and choose one for yourself. And so that little like reminder of what it is, you look at this huge card, because these are giant cards. Right. right. They're pretty big. And I have them all sleeved, so that's not <laughs> Of course Those exist? The, those <laughs> exist. You have to order them on eBay, um, but they do exist. That's yeah. cool. Uh, so the through line there is that art needs to also be functional. I guess, because in, in the yellow version of innovation, it seems that the more color, the more brightness, the more activity and, and thought put into the art can kind of negate from the di- gameplay if it makes it more difficult to see at a glance what's happening, huh? Totally. I think uh, dudes on a map games are pretty historically uh, known for having pretty boards, but then you can't see the borders and it's like, is oh, that yeah. a wall or can I cross here? Is this ocean connected to that thing? Yeah. Or um, territory is too small for people. Yeah. For yeah. all the all the stupid minis that we have on yeah. there. So, yeah, I think the functionality is important and, and kind of makes board games different in a lot of ways than other art, which I think is fun to talk about. Yeah, very much so. All right. Well, there's many other dudes on a board, uh, dudes on a map games I would like to talk about, but we have something more important to talk about, which yeah. is a life Let's get thing. Real. Let's go. Play the sad after school special music. Uh or happy after school special music. Yeah, this is this is a moment. This is a great moment. Yeah. This so Kellen, you told me in the email when we were setting up having you come on that you had recently changed the spelling of your name. You were going by Callan on the podcast instead of Kellen. Uh, and and when I asked you why, you had the most interesting story, which had to do with separating work life from hobby life. Can you explain that? Uh, yes. I thought I thought that was only going to be on the before show, but I guess- Joke's on you. Yeah, you we're wanna, too interested. We're too into it now. We can't stop the times. Just um, So- <laughs> I think I think for me, I've always tried to be sort of a closet nerd. Uh, you know, it's like you want to be cool in high school. And I know this is dumb, right? This is super. We're way past high school here. I did the same thing, man. Um, but it's like, oh, you know, I might be watching anime at home with my brothers and sisters, but I'm not going to tell anyone that I might be playing Settlers of Catan. But, you know, I'm I'm cool, you know, at school. Um, and I think that that followed me uh, all the way through to my first job. Uh, I work in advertising, so I was living in Manhattan and sort of 
going to board game night, but not telling any of my coworkers that that was what I was doing and just sort of felt not in lockstep with like the world that I worked in. Um, and so that extended all the way to now. <laughs> now I'm 30, right? And uh, and so when we started the podcast, I kind of, I, I made this idea of that we were the different tanks, which is like a play on the word barrage. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm the red tank, you know, hence this red shirt that I'm wearing. Um, and I kind of wanted to obfuscate who we were a little bit from um, our real life identities. Um, it's a little different for Neilan. Neilan works in video games. You know, Neilan uh, works at Naughty Dog, uh, one of the coolest video game companies ever. Yeah. And um, so for me, I was like, I made my username like Red Tank, you know, instead of <laughs> instead of my name. And so when I had to spell my name, uh, I, I spelled it incorrectly just for, I don't know, for SEO, for for uh, search engine optimization. Yes, that's true. I just, but, you know, some people don't. The, but the, I want to get to the part of why you did that, though. But why mm-hmm. did you want to separate those two things? Mm-hmm. I think there's this, but, you know, I do uh, advertising for, like, luxury companies. And there's this thought that, like, well, if the people I work with, if the people I know uh, know that I do this incredibly nerdy thing on the side, that, like, that there isn't acceptance there, um, which is sad, which is d- deeply sad. And... um something I'm honestly still still working on. Uh, you know, I think someone at work the other day just found out about the podcast, you know, and, and they're like, is this you? Like, what, like what yeah, is going on? Yeah. You know, and I think uh, over the course of the last year, I've just tried to be more, more forward, more open. I think you have to accept yourself a little bit, and that's a little trite, but. Well, no, in this, not at all. In this day and age, especially because our name is our product in this freelancing world, you know, that makes total sense, especially with someone in advertising where you are looked up for two different things now, right? That's important. But now your name is drawing two different reasons. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the breaking points um, was we got recently invited by uh, Shut Up and Sit Down, one of the premier uh, board game entities in the world to do absolutely. Uh, a live podcast record at their convention uh, in October. Shucks. In Vancouver, yeah. In Vancouver. So we're buying plane tickets. I mean, when you get invited by Shut Up and Sit Down, you you go. You, go. you shut up and go. Yeah. You shut up and go. And they were like, okay, great. Here's the names for your badges. And like, it's like Neilan, Mark, and like Callan. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Like we've gone, we've gone too far. Like this is this is an important part of who I am and what I do. And so I should probably change this. I mean, even so becoming a name in the space has helped you to embrace it and realize that there's a fan base. And if they're excited, then then this is who you are. And there's nothing to hide there. Maybe. I, I think <laughs> I think you guys are celebrating something that's still we're right on. We're right on the razor's edge of this. I'm trying to just put it in a positive context because I'm also super fascinated by this because I think the professionalism life and the whole board game stigma is an interesting thing to talk about yeah well should we talk about our experience because i i i feel that i've always so i was very much chose to be the punk girl in high school or chose to be an outcast in any way i could because i always thought that was more interesting i didn't want to be mainstream anything and so if i liked 
at the time it was a lot of PS2 games uh, where I got to murder people and uh, I would make my friends come over and sit in my basement and watch me play because they didn't play or care for video games but they actually would they watch you me. yeah yeah um the first Twitch viewers before Twitch yeah basically oh man I should have known right then I should have started Twitch <laughs> no I think day 9 was already doing it yeah uh, <laughs> But but for when I started coming into this space uh, more on the Internet um, and getting into Twitch and all that uh, as an actor and I wanted people to search my name and find that I'm an actor and find my videos. But at the same time, I was like, oh, but then but then people will find me and then they'll find other things that I did. So I was always very excited and I never. I never even stopped to think because to me, we live in a very, very special, special time where being a nerd is embraced by the mainstream. And if they don't get it, I roll my eyes at them. (laughs) (laughs) So but in the in the acting world, right, is there never a sense that, oh, I'm going for this part or this thing? And they're going to look up this other thing and that's going to be weird. Have you never had you, that's fine. I've always thought I really hope they look me up and see that I am good at something and I'm, I matter and therefore they need me in their project. <laughs> I think you're right, though. It does apply for a lot of actors. And, but I mean, it, it can go other ways, too. So I would say for a lot of actors, especially in Los Angeles, they're trying to kind of put um, not a necessarily a brand, but like a direction on the things that are searched for for them. But your direction, Becca, is gaming and that, that representation, too, even though you are interested in doing scripted work and other things put me in your short film (laughs) but like a lot of actresses and actors do they align themselves to certain types and they they whether it's drama or comedy or both that's going to be what they represent so having this mixed in is is a different thing so yeah i think it does apply so many years of a young actor's life in LA are wasted on how do people see me? What roles would I play? Should I take headshots with glasses that I don't wear so I can tell the casting director I can play the nerd? I mean, when your product is yourself, it's easy to overthink all of that stuff. Yeah, especially when you're in your early 20s or even younger and you're insecure about who you are because you're still trying to figure that out. Uh, Do you think it's stepping into the year of 30 in a new decade that you've realized like whatever I am is what I am. I'm I'm deathly afraid of turning 30 this year actually. So Oh, I already oh, I just be. took the plunge and oh, it did. feels it's real oh, nice yeah, in this the water. Yeah, the water's warm. Get oh, on in. It's so good. It's good. Okay, yeah. Is- <laughs> We're excited for you. Yeah. <laughs> I think thir- 30s are like the where it gets really like you're more aware of yourself sexually. I think there's been too much talk of slamming earlier. And I'm, Get I'm connecting, connecting some dots here that I'm a little uncomfortable with. I'm really hoping people didn't have it on variable speed there because there was a great pause the that pause you might have missed. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I don't know. I think... I'm just uh, I guess I don't want to like keep pestering about this, but I'm just really interested about like what you think the detriment is on the advertising side of it. And you don't have to if you don't want to. It's it's not a detriment. And I think it's it's deeply personal. You know, even some of my clients, you know, I now bring games to set uh, and just kind of go, okay, we're going to play, you know. Games now on what games you bring to what's a set appropriate uh, game? Illusion is the most recent one. You you must look this up. Uh, illusion is a game where you have a set of cards that have colored optical illusions on them, um, and all you're doing is putting a card to the left or right of saying, "How much blue is in this photo?" or "How much blue is in this picture?" 
and then you have to guess, and then someone can call your bluff at any time and say, that's not right, and then you flip them all over, and it has the percentage of the picture that is blue. Oh, that's fascinating. What? I love guessing percentages of colors in art. Oh, wow, I'm looking at images, and this game is so beautiful. Yes. Definitely it's not like for the colorblind, but is way awesome. Oh, right there. It's yep. not accessible <laughs> no. at all. Maybe, um, maybe they'll find another way, but like that's still really interesting and looks like it would be so easy to pick up. That's right. I think it's it's great for non-gamers mm -hmm. because it's almost like something you'd see in a newspaper or they've all done like a little optical illusion. Like which one of these is it's like a Facebook quiz, yeah. you know? That's what I love. I mean, I love that your coworkers and your clients and stuff are bringing that kind of stuff to set. It kind of shows you how accessible this hobby really is. I'm finding the same thing in my world too, is when I take a board game that's a little more intricate to a like a place that people don't play board games. Like occasionally I'm taking them to like bars with big tables now and people come over and ask questions and then like go buy it on their phone while we're talking about it. And so it happens now. See, we are the arbiters of this world and we are spreading the joy and love that is tabletop gaming to the world. And Kellen, I'm glad you're embracing that. I'm trying. <laughs> you're, you're helping. You're... For sure. Uh, well, we... we should we jump into one of our other topics? Um, let's talk about your game collection. Now, how do you choose who can stay and who can go? So I think gamers go through this sort of period. I think what's so great about board gaming is how many new people come into it all the time and we're in the golden age, so to speak. But Need sound effects. Yeah. Wow. Those aren't those uh, wait, aren't in post? I, I no, I I do all the sound effects myself. The that's music, great. that's actually me humming. Wow. Yeah. Oh. Um, but I think that, you know, the first light game you buy, the first ticket to ride you buy is gonna get played every week, you know, and then you have that first social deduction game, you have Avalon, you have mm -hmm. Secret Hitler, you get that game and then that you have a context in which to play it. Um, but I feel like after about a year or two years, people start you come to this realization that, hey, wait a minute, I don't have time anymore. I have all the games that fit two players, three players, four players, mean games, confrontational games, really easy games for my parents. And then you reach that point, which is what, 50 games maybe, 30 to 50. Let's not put a number on it because it's different. <laughs> Sometimes in the thousands for it's, certain people. It's different for every person, but you hit that point and then it becomes this question of, well, if I buy that dudes on a map game, what when am I going to play it and what is it going to replace? Right, what do I get rid of to have room on the game shelf? And so I think in LA, you know, we have a unique problem, which is storage space. space. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I have a collection now of about 200 games, Whew. which is not the most. Mark has 500 wow. plus on the podcast. Which Does I, he have them all in his apartment slash house? So we're not sure he lives in an apartment. <laughs> we actually think he lives in a gym. Um, because we've never been to his apartment. So are they all in his gym locker? We think so, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Very impressive. That's a lot of rented lockers in a gym. 500 games worth of lockers. It's crazy. He's also a big trader, so he loves oh, yeah. like the value and trading this for that. It's his commodity. Doing mm -hmm. math trades. Mm -hmm. but Back to the barter system. That's what I always say. <laughs> I have a shelf uh, that I call, what is it called? The shelf, the shape up or ship out ah, shelf. Oh, like that. Oh, so and you need them to lose a couple components and then you know, think yes, about letting them Yes, lose weight stay. or you're gone. <laughs> uh, no, but it's it's where we put games in my house when we're thinking about getting rid of them. They're going to get maybe one more play, but I kind of want them out of sight 
out of mind. And then when a trade comes up or when I'm getting ready to sell games, I go in there and that's where I start. So you put them out of sight as opposed to put them in sight where they should just be like constantly considered. So that's the shelf of shame, okay, uh, which I keep under the television. <laughs> um, and these are all the games that I have not played even once. Uh, and there are about 40 of those right now. Oh, which is whoa. I, I have a serious shelf of shame. Uh, but it's probably because they're all four-player games on my shelf of shame. And I, it's so hard to get a less than six-person game night together, mm. especially when you have housemates. Because you have to like, Deliberately not invite people. Yeah, and then it's it gets awkward. awkward. Yeah. yeah, it gets super like, awkward. Can my friend come? We were gonna finally play this four-player game. Get started with a campaign of Gen Seven, which I'm never gonna get to do. But uh, uh, yeah, I guess bring your freaking friend. <laughs> Hot pitch for the solution, though. Uh, when you're looking for a fr- <laughs> set them on fire. <laughs> not literally hot pitch. Burn them all. <laughs> Uh, when you text your friend, say, hey, I got one seat open for blank game tonight. Ooh. Get specific. Yeah, Ooh. get specific. Let them know that there's only this many options. I love it. Is this is everyone onto this trick? I think everyone's still trying to figure it out. It, it's, it's really complicated. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, you've I, got 12 in your dude, too many OG people game. people is group. a good problem for board gamers nowadays, like thankfully. But I, now it's too I wish prevalent. It were. Yeah. And I'm not the kind of person that can make people sit at a different table and play a different game mm-hmm. because no. many of them came to socialize, you know? And this is, as you were saying, it is our conduit for socialization. And if they have to play in a different game, then at the end of the night, it's like, well, didn't get to see you at all, but bye. <laughs> Thanks for coming, Thanks for coming over. to my house. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I'm fine with it. I'm there for the games. I mean, in my own home. <laughs> that is actually one of the hot questions we had on our podcast, which is, would you rather, I'm, I'm putting you guys on the seat here, mm. would you rather play your absolute number one favorite game uh, with people you don't know mm. at all? Mm. Or would you rather play a game that you actually legitimately dread and hate uh, with your best friends? Dread and hate for me. Oh, I'd probably choose a game I love with strangers because I like teaching people things. So as long as they're not monsters, sounds fine. I mean, I'm, t- I'm rolling the dice on who, how these people are. They're monsters. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> then yeah, I'd rather suffer with my best friend. Yeah, if they're monsters. Yeah, no. Yeah, good game, bad people or uh, good people, bad game. Yeah. You said that much faster than I did, <laughs> succinctly, so that's good. <laughs> what did you no, answer? No, you were, you were painting a picture. Hmm. Uh, I'm definitely more, it's about the friends. I think you can play a legitimately, uh, well, legitimately. You can play a bad game or a game that's not right for your group, but you have that story of yeah. remember the time that Mark you know, cornered the market on corn and then no one could do anything. And yeah. It's degenerate and annoying, but it's also funny and you remember it for years. Yeah, yeah. you're making a memory. So let me guess, Neelan chose the game? Hmm. Neelan likes good games too. I will. <laughs> Based on your assessment of uh, your different styles of preferred games. I mean, you're playing multiplayer solitaire, and who cares who you're playing with? There's there's this idea of parallel play. I don't know if you're familiar with it in like children, uh, and how they sort of grow through um, growing up, where you play separately, then you play like with another child, but you're not interacting with each other. Like you're both doing Play-Doh, but not together. Right. Uh, and then you evolve, not evolve, but then you grow up, and then you actually do the Play-Doh project together. Oh. So I frequently just tell Neelan that he's 
a child. <laughs> <laughs> There's a Wikipedia article and everything for that, but I would not check it because um, I'm sure I'm ruining the yeah, science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. That's great. I love that. I love that idea because you see children do that. And uh, I don't know what my point was here. I love parallel play, uh, because, but I also love a little in-your-face combat. The only thing I don't like is when I'm so picky about co-op games. Um, I hate them. I'm right there with you. You say it. I didn't. I didn't use oh, the you word didn't, hate. You didn't say it. I'll say it during recording. Co-op games is like you versus a computer AI algorithm, except it's not even a computer. It's a deck of cards. Yes. Why is that fun? <laughs> Sometimes it is. I, I, I'll, so, I'll, devil's, some, I'll devil's advocate for it. I mean, it's it's for the people that don't like to fight the people in the room. Yes. They want to work on a project together. I mean, a puzzle, like literally a puzzle, a jigsaw puzzle, is also you guys working together True. against you know a pile of things I think I enjoy a co-op game when I'm seeing someone who doesn't enjoy cutthroat games enjoying it and my joy comes from their joy I, but I, if it's yeah, up, up to me I will play the games that you have expressed that you like where we uh, throw things in each other's face and watch each other suffer I think co-op co-ops are great uh, I have a couple <laughs> I have a couple that I like, but they, it's very rare and in between. The the barometer we use on our podcast is like, will Kellen like this game as a co-op? You know, Spirit Island, I think, is okay. one of the most insane cooperative games out there right yeah. now. And it's so beautiful. And I wanted to like it. And I'm, I'm 50-50 on it. Yeah, me too. Um, but I find the ones that like... Um, the ones that you can find that narrative into, because that's also where I get the joy of like, I love the fact that we have a friend that, that loves to play this. But then if that friend builds a narrative to it as well, like I feel like we could do that a lot with like uh, the Batman one or even the Power Rangers one mm -hmm. where Spirit Island has like its own huge in-depth mechanics. You don't even need it. But like that's also a really fascinating story wise. Yeah. Well, uh, Kellen, it has been so Kellen. Kellen. No. Kellen. I'm going Kellen. Kellen. I'm going Kellen. Kellen all the way. Great. We're it's spelling a great name. it right in the show description. Yeah, we are. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely. Deal with it. <laughs> Got it. Uh, all right. Well, uh, we're almost done. Um, final questions I did write down is Quinn the sexiest person in gaming? We don't have to talk about it, but yes. I'm excited for you to go to Shucks. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, do you have a recommendation for our listeners about something unrelated to board games that you love, recommend a book, a show, a, 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 a Botanical garden, oh. anything. Wow. Definitely on the spot here. <laughs> it's work and board games for you. It's work and board games for me. No, I think, I mean, I already recommended Dune, uh, which I'm still working my way through. I'm on book three now. I do think it's worth but it. But you said four is your favorite. I know. Well, I'm, I've read it before. So okay. reading it with a girlfriend now. And Neilan, Mark has given up because he's a loser. You're reading side by side on different books or you're reading in the same book or you're reading aloud? I don't, how would anyone have time for that? No, we, we try to do the chapters, you know, and sit and talk about it. It really doesn't happen. It mostly becomes a text game of, have you gotten to this part yet? And then text me when you do kind of thing. If, for people that don't have time to read, although you should just read at least the first book for those of you that are afraid of reading. Uh, would you recommend the David Lynch version of the show or the sci-fi version of the show? Because wasn't there a sci-fi channel version? Yes, there's a mini series. Uh, which is definitely more faithful to the book. Okay. We, we watched the Lynch film uh, just a couple weeks ago, actually, for the first time. My God, uh, the special effects. Yeah. If you're at all don't like old anything, please don't 
the shields that they have are have you seen it uh, it's been years They're, i vaguely remember the shields are so horrifically yeah. bad made of cardboard effects. no it's like a polygon but it's like two polygon like it's like <laughs> the minimum like it came up on the screen and i'm like we had to have gotten like a joke copy of this the film. resolution is four by two <laughs> yeah it's insane <laughs> Um, and what about Jodorowsky's Dune, the the movie just about the making of, uh, of oh, yeah. a movie that was never made? Is it good? Have you seen it? I haven't watched it yet. Okay, neither have I. I just mm. thought maybe. I heard it. You, you assumed <laughs> that I had. Recommendation for everybody at home. Let us know let us what know, you yeah. thought of Jodorowsky's Dune. <laughs> um, but I guess if you like the meta-ness of, of what we've been talking about, it kind of reminded me of Barry, uh, HBO show. Just a <gasps> little bit. The, the actor's life, the behind the scenes of you know, what you try to be and, and who you actually are. I think there's a little bit of that narrative uh, buried in there. It's so accurate to how I spend every Monday night at acting class. <laughs> Use it. Uh, Jake, recommendation. I'm going to recommend a place you probably have heard of. It's called Yosemite National Park. Ooh. Holy moly guacamole. Did you know that I climbed El Capitan without a rope? I know that's not true. Oh. <laughs> Well, tell me when. Yeah. Um, la uh, well, when they were filming Free Solo. Yeah, you um, were just off camera yeah. guiding him. I, uh, no, that was, I like to really put myself in films that I watch. So I really did think for a second there that that was me. But you're right. Got that was that Alex it. Got something. It. it was one person. of those stages. Yeah. Just like when you were on that bus that couldn't stop or else the bomb blew up. Oh, my God. Did, did you? How did you know my favorite movie from when I was 13? Speed is so good. <laughs> Keanu Reeves' best film. Pop quiz. Why? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, go to Yosemite um, National Park. I went with low expectations because I'm dumb, and it blew me away. There are mountains there that reach the sky, and then waterfalls come off the top of them. And it is – the only word I can give you is majestic. Heavenly. Does the water you come from – You just another word? <laughs> <laughs> you just topped my one word. No, I hear your one word, but let me give you a better one. I mean, no, I get it. No, but when you described it, it sounds heavenly. It was. Okay. Well, that's very cool. I'm going to once again recommend people check out Fantasy Flicks League uh, because I guessed it on their last episode and talked about uh, Detective Pikachu, which I will recommend as just fine. It was just fine. If you're a child. Yeah. I uh, am. So I love, oh man. I, I parallel play. I love Pokemon, but man, the the design of them in the film was so great. Yeah, the art direction looks amazing. But man, that script. Oh, okay. but well, sure. Mr. Mime is a pivotal character, and that scene changed my life. The scene was amazing. Good. Legitimately okay. the best scene. As long as we get, so our final recommendation here is watch just the Mr. Mime scene of the new Detective Pokemon, <laughs> uh, De Detective, Detective Pikachu. Pikachu. <laughs> Obviously, I'm a terrible Pokemon fan because I keep calling it Detective Pokemon, which is not <laughs> the name. Anyway, friends, that's all the time we have on Victory Points. Many, 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 many thanks to Kellen, Alan, Laker for being here. Thank you guys for having me. It was so fun. Yeah, great to have you. Thanks to Jake for being here. And thanks to all of you for listening at home. If your friends aren't listening to our podcast, they should be. So tell them to come check it out. Also, you need to make sure that you liked and subscribed and rate it so that, you know, uh, we can give you more Podbean ads. That's all. <laughs> thanks for coming in, everybody. See you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.